Hello and welcome to Silver and Sensational. I'm Jessica Lynn Verdi, and I'm with the host of our show, Lois Mills. Hello, everyone. And I always say it is I, the Silver and Sensational Lois Mills. You. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Very sensational, Lois. We also have another sensational silver with us, a friend of our show. To help us with today's topic, we have Dr. Maris Clement. She is a licensed family therapist and doctor of psychology with over 30 years of experience. And she did all this after her Broadway singing career, which I just find uh, just inspiring to say the least. And, and today's topic is the narcissistic parent in you. And so she's going to join us for that conversation. Welcome in, Maris. Welcome, Thank you Maris. So much. Thank you, Jessica and Lois, for having me. I'm very excited. Uh, normally, we take questions for the show, but since both Lois and myself are children of narcissistic parents, feels like we'll need the advice, the advice today. So, okay, well, I, I, I'm in the group. So, oh, welcome. Uh, it's, 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 oh, thank you. We should start um, a band. We should start a band. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pretty easy for me to see one. First, I'd like to. Um, read with the the DSM is a diagnostic statistical manual. I don't like it, but it's a good way to understand what's going on. Narcissism or narcissistic personality disorder is something that people have and they have it to different degrees. So um, either you are very high on the scale, which would be a malignant narcissist, somebody who's right out there with their narcissism. Or I suspect that what we all had was covert narcissism. Mm. So first of all, here are the characteristics. Exaggerated feelings of self-importance, an excessive need for admiration, which they pursue, a delusional sense of status, um, diminished ability or unwillingness to empathize. Hmm. You're really going to feel that. And then um, they are inflexible and they are interpersonally exploitive in their behavior. Now, exploitive is a strong word for saying manipulation. They manipulate you into going along with what you want. So here are some questions to figure out. That's the, the diagnosis. Um, and I talk about traits in people. So you may not be diagnosed as narcissistic borderline personality disorder, but you may have traits. So here are some questions. Does your mother appear amazing to everyone else, but growing up, you felt alone? found it hard to have your own identity, and you felt like things were always your fault. Am I seeing nodding heads there? No. Well, yeah, we're, I think there's so many things that um, I'm sure Lois, myself, and the audience is going to start, like, you know, we have to kind of paint on to our childhood the things that, like, you know, I love when, the phrase when you paint red flags green, because we do that, right? We make something that's not healthy make sense, especially when you're a child, for survival. That was a very helpful, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah. And so the reason why I wanted to start off with uh, just understanding how a narcissistic parent presents is I think a lot of us might not understand that we had one. Uh, especially because 
we have to trust our parents to is that your experience lois what like how long did it take you to realize you had a narcissistic parent? oh i am not proud of this <laughs> well 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 into adulthood and after a lot of years of therapy and still you know I'm a lot older than you, Jessica, and I don't want anyone out there to think that I am saying, oh, my poor childhood, because, again, I've mentioned once before, I'm successful because of and in spite of. But the actual term narcissist as a parent wasn't really presented to me, even in therapy. Really? Really, yeah. Right? I think I think our doctor here is even shocked. I think that's the old-fashioned kind of therapy where they didn't talk about diagnoses, but now we all have access and can read about them. Exactly. So um, I was told to read the book by Alice Miller, The Drama of the Gifted Child, even though that I think really zeroed in on children of alcoholic parents. Uh, but it can be applied to narcissistic parents. I'm sure there's crossover there. But at any rate, um, I now, I mean, what has helped is to look back at my life and realize why I made decisions I made, why I've had difficulties in relationships. Mm. And why I've chosen the relationships I have chosen. So there is value to being of a certain age and looking back to one's childhood and finding out what effect it actually had upon us. I think that's right. I think, uh, and Maris, we do want to kind of get a little, we want to scratch the surface. I think we just scratched the surface on identifying the narcissistic parent. Um, yeah, and I think I have, that's... I have some more questions. Yeah, let's and go for it. this is a big one. Do you feel in your childhood you walked on eggshells? Oh, God. <laughs> no, who would touch those eggshells? <laughs> I levitated slightly above it, and I didn't have a pacemaker then. I mean, it was levitation. Are you... No, I tiptoed around. I tiptoed. And that's how I think Jessica... I learned to be an actor because I always had to be empathic to what was going on and be sure not to set somebody off. Oh, I, I'll, I'll one up you ladies. My father, who was very supportive of my acting career, also said that, well, you wanted to be an actor because you wanted to make sure everyone liked you, which is I'm the, I'm the narcissist and want to make sure everyone likes me because of him. So, I, yeah, I think most Actors have a healthy dose of narcissism, which gets into the narcissistic defense. Um, covert narcissists often have, because they have this terrible low self-esteem, because that's what we've experienced, that we don't know anything and we're a little crazy and we don't know because they never say, good idea, What that was wonderful work. Um, they may have said it, but then they might have undercut you afterwards. Oh, sure. Of course. But what yes. we do is we build up a defense, and the defense is narcissism. So as children, 
we start getting narcissistic also. This is not a genetic disease. It is not. So, um, or uh, disorder, pardon me, it's not a disease. Um, it's, and, a, it's a nurture versus a nature, I think, is if I'm understanding. Oh, boy, is it ever. Um, has someone ever told you that your mother or father might be a narcissist? Oh, wait, there's one other. Um, what they what they like to do is they like to build themselves up and really think that they are great. And in that, the parents I'm talking about, and in that, what happens is that you start feeling less than and you question your judgment. Oh. And what ha it, I call it crazy making. It's a crazy making situation. And really, because you're a child, you don't know how to get out of it. As an adult, you can find your way out of it and start putting your boundaries down and not have them talk to you that way anymore. Uh, I, um, yeah, which is also tough in its own right, um, which is why one of the things we wanted to talk about, and this will happen later in the program, is coping. So stick with us while we're trying to get unearth this aspect of it. And I think Maris and maybe Lois... Um, you can talk about this too. It it makes sense that a child is going to start reflecting narcissistic qualities also because that's what they're being modeled. Does that make sense? Yes. Sure. Oh, sure, sure, sure. And I think, you know, a healthy dose of self-confidence or self-inflation can be a healthy situation um, or a healthy, can help us move forward in life. I always say there's a, a friend of my boyfriend's his he's just overconfident enough that it makes him better he had just enough support where his mother thinks he's you know the sun shines out of his ass but it makes him strive a little bit more because he thinks he's a little bit more capable than he is i call that a healthy ego and mm. it depends on how you magnify healthy you know sometimes i'll say oh you have an, a healthy ego and they often say, the clients say, what does that mean? And I'll say, sure. no, but you need a little narcissism to get through life and to succeed. Um, but then sometimes I'll say, you have a very healthy ego. And that is more in the area of narcissism. Narcissism is pathological, but it's to what degree? Um, Lois, are you comfortable? Uh, do you sharing? And, and if you're not, that makes sense. But do you feel like you reflected some of the narcissism from your narcissistic parent? I'd have to think about that. Um, I think earlier in my life, yes. Mm -hmm. I, 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 as I look back, yes. Um, but as I became more and more aware of more self-reflective of who I am and what my feelings and conduct was, mm -hmm. I made efforts to alter that. And um, sometimes, you know, I always used to say, if you act the part, you become the part. Mm. So I learned from people those qualities that I did not learn from my mother. Now, I have to say, um, I had a father and 
his extended family and my mother's sister and the lady that lived downstairs from us, who were great examples and who were quite opposite of my mother. Mm. And so in trying to emulate them, I became more removed from my mother's behavior. Uh, even in, early, you know, in, I'm going to say teens, early adulthood. So yes, uh-huh. I think it's brave to be able to admit that, honestly, because we're allowed to shift and change, you know. Well, my God, if we don't, (laughs) you know, well, listen, if we don't, that's that's something I don't want to get off subject. But I know a few people that haven't changed at all. Right. In 50 years. So that does happen. It does. Maris, where are you I would love to know what, how you grew up in your narcissistic parent world. Um, okay. So my parents were also alcoholics, but my mother was a real narcissist. Um, she forgot my birthday. I asked her once if she had nursed me and she said, I don't know. There are only two of us. So she <laughs> had no memory of whether she nursed me or oh gave me God. a bottle or anything. Oh my goodness. Um, And uh, she didn't know my favorite color. She just didn't, she just was not aware of me. And I had such a low self-esteem that um, it was really hurtful and harsh. And then there was fighting and drinking all the time downstairs. So I was just listening to fights all the time. But um, as I grew older, my mother sent me a birthday card every year for 10 years. I I don't know how she could find a different card, but it always said, you are smart, you are funny, you are beautiful. And then you open the card and it would say, because you're my daughter. Ah, Happy birthday. And I got those for 10 years. I saved them for years. And then I said, I don't need to keep remembering the the wounds. Mm -hmm. But um, it was just ridiculous how she did not see me. I find I left her at eleven. I mean, I I left my mother at eleven. She told me she hated me one time, and I the only cogent thought I had around that time was, oh, she really doesn't like me. So wow, that's a very hard. Father, yeah, that's a very hard age to realize that because partial like to to the same, and I think you're going to talk about this narcissism and like borderline personality these dis- these disorders of the personality are usually formed between like 3 and 7 and like it's usually because of a neglectful parent is why someone becomes that way abusive uh, neglectful so it's interesting to see that that's not that didn't present in you but the reason why a child's affected so deeply by a parent that these disorders exist or are created is because we trust them so intrinsically and at that young of an age you must have really gotten a lot of negative reinforcement to finally come to that conclusion right and i would say in my 20s when i started having really not so much in college in in my 20s i think that um 
I would have a date and then the guy didn't want to go out with me. And my reaction was huge. I would cry. I would call him and say, well, I'm not a perfect person. Believe me. So it's it, this is why I understand imperfect people. And I would say, why didn't you date me? Mm. And uh, why don't you want a second date? I, I mean, I it was so wrong. So that's when I started going to therapy. And I think it was that narcissism. I was so hungry for attention that um, I was I was miserable and I put people off. And so in order to heal, I had to learn not to be reactive, not to only think of myself, to say I will to be positive and saying I'll find somebody who likes me as I am with this growth. And uh, and, you know, I did. Yeah, I think that carries over perfectly to what I want in this program for to help to help you know the lois and the jessica and the marises out there is how does the behavior of a narcissistic parent affect the child and as an adult and as a kid and and obviously we're all going to have different ways that this is going to affect us but i'm sure there's similar people can are nodding their head while they're listening to you like yep i chased after that guy for sure (laughs) you know i'm sure that exists i think it's a pretty common aspect of adult relationships. I think it is. It makes you feel um, narcissism comes from the, as I talked about the defense, it comes out of that feeling of helplessness and nobody loving you. So if you truly believe nobody loves you, you're going to go into a relationship with that cognitively, that thought cognitively. Lois, you were talking about that. I call it the um, just be the person. Just be the person. And I also think I was helped by um, by having uh, um, heroes, by having role models, by having people in my life that I would look at their relationship and I, I recognized how they spoke to each other. I've moved into healing, sorry. No, it's beautiful. Um, Lois, at your comfort, you mentioned when we did the Getting to Know Lo episode of Silver and Sensational that uh, half was mo- uh, Mom 2.0. Is that correct? Oh. <laughs> yes, I, I'm. <clears throat> yes, he was. And um, the disheartening part is after I'd been alone for so many years and had so much therapy, I walked right back in. Um, so what can I say? You know, <laughs> it wasn't the therapy didn't didn't take. And I can really see how what you said, Maris, where, you know, even today when I make a judgment about something, I'm really not a hundred percent convinced that <clears throat> that I am doing the right thing and, you know, I'll vacillate back and forth and, you know, just not certain of my own judgment. And I'll tell you, uh, one of my husbands used to say to me when I, you know, I have... And again, I think this is a trait of narcissist uh, parent, uh, children of narcissistic parents. We are com- uh, very perceptive, 
extremely perceptive of people because we learn from a very early age how to sniff out what's going to set somebody off so we really kind of can zero in on what other people are thinking or feeling without their having to say it. And so when I would say something to him about whatever somebody said or what I thought, it would be responded to, you're overreacting. And I believed him so much that it took me years afterwards to stop questioning myself when I would say to myself, are you overreacting? Are you overreacting to this? That is to the ex- to the extent that you know you you don't believe in yourself enough to know whether or not you are responding correctly to something where you have to second guess am I overreacting because somebody else drilled this in you because that somebody else could not deal with any emotion. In retrospect, this was the issue. He didn't want to deal with my emotion. It's just, you know, uh, sit up, sit right, speak when you should, and don't cause any problems, which is basically what I grew up with. But you see, this, I had a friend who used to talk about the three men in her life as the steel hammer uh, and the velvet hammer and some other hammer. Well, you know what? This one was may, way different. He he was kind. He was gentle. He didn't he didn't abuse me physically. I'm not talking about emotionally, but physically. So I bought into this act of the velvet hammer until a lot of years later when I saw what that relationship and what that situation really was. So um, retrospectively, I I could see, but at the time, no. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. I I think that what Lois is talking about is that um, part we discussed before, which is manipulation. And it doesn't look like manipulation, like somebody saying, I won't do this unless you do that. Or mm-hmm. I, it, it's not that kind. It's covert. And what they do is they let you know when you're right or wrong. And they put you back in that same instance with your parents, where if you don't give the right answer, it's not open for discussion or for listening. And as Lois said, the people who do this to you can be there were three women women also are narcissistic and do it to men please let's get that straight but um i think that what you do is you feel oh this person's so nice they say they love me they give me presents they do this and because you haven't known real love you go along with it and you think oh well this is just marriage or a relationship and I have to keep to make this relationship work and you keep cutting more and more away from yourself until you feel like you leave and there's almost nothing left of you you're explaining the end of uh two very big relationships for me was I used to call it um 
an erosion. Like I would, I would, I would go in with a high self-esteem. I had been single for some time, two different relationships, and uh, slowly let them chip away at my resolve, my border, uh, my boundaries, uh, and let very, very shameful, sad things happen to me because I, I didn't know. It, it was actually a very hard realization that didn't come until a couple of years ago for me that m- my parents... Love was conditional, and that because of that, I couldn't trust that a man could love unconditionally. So I think that's right. It does manifest in our relationships. What's a couple other ways, Maris, that uh, maybe not in a relationship per se, but how else does a narcissistic parent's uh, upbringing affect the child in adulthood? Well, um, as I will admit, and I think you you and Lois alluded to, I think that we have a great deal of trouble with relationships because I think we haven't seen, as you were just saying, Jessica, um, we haven't seen how people who where there's give and take. And then the idea in family therapy is that you have with the child, and if there's more than one, you're supposed to have it with each. You're supposed to have the parents be there. They're not supposed to align one to a child and the other one, the other one's on the outside. You have to have free flowing um, energy and love between all of them. And that's why the parents, the parental dyad, it is called to, um, is supposed to be strong and working with each other. And that doesn't happen often because what happens is we look to the other parent and the other parent goes, oh, you know, I'm not going to deal with it. I'm not getting it. I'm not getting in the way. So they don't save you. So I think at this point, it's safe to say being raised by a narcissistic parent greatly affects your relationships. And it is, it's important in order to have a healthy relationship with others and yourself to learn how to cope. I think one of the things that fascinated me about this topic, Maris, um, is I think all anyone who's also joining us on this program, maybe at different stages of accepting that they had a narcissistic parent, realizing they had one, and then coming to terms with it, right? Um, so what I'm hoping to get from you, and I know it will help me too, is how do we cope with this as an adult? What are the steps or what are the ways we take control of the situation and and help ourselves? And there's the added challenge of whether the parent is alive or not. Right. First of all, um, I think that what you want to do is acknowledge it and to say, to be forgiving on some level and say this person isn't all bad, there were good things. However, this, I would say, I will not tolerate in my life anymore. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to be about setting boundaries. And I think uh, one way is to speak from the I position and uh, cognitively, I do cognitive behavioral therapy ah. to to the cognitive or the thoughts and to, um, first of all, not be reactive. 
and not go, oh, you always do this to me, but say, hmm, well, that's interesting. That sort of leaves me out of the picture, doesn't it? So you don't want to hear what I have to say? Okay, well, then that's fine. Then I think I'm going to go out and take a walk. I took a lot of walks as my mother was aging. Um, they all, everybody knew I was out on a on a mission to unwind. But it really is trying to get a sense of self that you say, this is not what I want to hear anymore. And this is not how I want to be manipulated anymore. Um, you can, uh, something I teach is coming or teach. I, I used to be a teacher, sorry. Uh, um, I talk about coming from the I position, which means not accusing the other person, which I think really sets them off and saying, you always do this to me, but to say, I feel like we've been here before. It doesn't, I, I am sad. I am upset. Um, and I, you want to catch yourself early and say, I'm start, I'm starting to get angry. I can feel it and I don't want to get angry. So is there a way that we can just come to an agreement and, and not talk about this anymore? And then depending on how the person reacts, you can say, okay, yeah, I'll listen to you. Now let me say something. Oh, okay, so it's going to be about you. Then say, you know what? I don't have room in this conversation and you're not listening to my feelings. And if you don't listen to my feelings, I really don't want to be here. I don't want to redo what I did. Um, Jessica, you asked me about what I do in therapy for people and whether their parents, because lots of people like me split off from their parents. Um, I did come back to my mother when she was dying of cancer. Um, and just said, I've just got to suck it up and I'm not going to worry about it. But at different times, we say, I'm never seeing them again, or I don't, you know, being very reactive. I can't have this in my life. And people do what is called emotional cutoff. So you cut off emotionally from them. But when we do emotional cutoff, there's a huge piece of rage or sadness or feeling less than. I talk about parts. And we have all these parts in us and we have to accept all these parts, but recognize when they come out to say, oh, that's my reactive part. Okay, I see you. You want to react. How about just looking at it and saying, I'm feeling reactive right now. That's using mm. the eye. But um, there's a, a technique in a type of therapy called gestalt. And that means making the whole. So that's what the parts are about. You see yourself as a big pie. One of the exercises they do is called the empty chair. And um, what I do is I ask somebody to sit across from an empty chair. I'm in another chair. And I will say, talk to your mother, talk to your father. And it depends on how loose they can get. Um, sometimes it doesn't go well at first, but sometimes the second time they'll give it a try. And they talk to that person in the empty chair. The unusual part comes when you ask them to become that narcissistic parent or that parent and to move from where they are and to get into the other chair and be that parent. 
And so many things come to them in that moment that they say, oh my God, I had never seen myself in that person's place. And I didn't know what they were going through. And I didn't know where their narcissism was coming from. And then what you do is you, the, the patient acts as, um, acts as the parent and says whatever the parent used to say in answer to the patient. And then I'll say to the patient, go back and be yourself. And we work on, um, sometimes I give them a little coaching. Uh, sometimes it's just back and forth until you feel it's at the end. But what happens is instead of being split off, you feel like you really know the other person and it helps you later when you feel like you want to talk to that person. Maybe you want to talk to that person that night. Maybe you want to talk to the person you're not ready but you remember how it feels to be them and to be dealing with them. So it's not a person who's so scary. It's a person how you know how to deal with. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. Wow. Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. And the other thing is understanding yourself. I I really enjoy working with people who haven't found their voice yet. And usually we don't find our voices because we don't have self-esteem. Um, when I started dating, I, I stuttered when I talked to a boy. I never stuttered in my life, but I'd be going, ee, 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 ee. I get nervous and stutter. Um, so I really couldn't find my voice. Literally. I also know people who talk like this. I don't know if you can hear me on the microphone. You know, people who talk like this with baby voices and I'll say, what would it be like to speak up? What would it be like to feel that you have a right to speak up and be yourself and be who you, the strong person you feel like you are inside? And so some people really have a hard time, but some people take it home and work with um, their partner, their children, um, because we we have to believe in ourselves. We have to work towards healthy narcissism. And Lois, you said it so well. You, I call it organizing around it. You recognize you have a problem. And then you say, I'm going to do this, this, this. So I'm going to speak from the I position. Uh, do not engage is another one. Just do not engage. And um, the other one is stay on your own path. Just don't worry about them or their reaction. Just say in a mannerly way, um, this is what I want to do and this is what I'm going to do. And if they say, I don't want you to do that, then you say, that's okay. I hear you. Um, but I, I think that people who have been through this have a lot of empathy for other people. And I think it's our over empathizing that draws us into these relationships. We all of a sudden feel we can heal this person oh, and we'll make the yeah. perfect couple. And the other person may be love bombing you and um, the, the narcissist may be love bombing you, but then it's great at the beginning. And then Again. afterwards you're going, I don't know where I am. 
Sure. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> it's a little, okay. too, little too real. <laughs> well, no, no, it's not too just real. just to share, um, following what you said, Maris, is I took myself away from my mother physically for about five years. Had no contact with her whatsoever. Um. And I, if I had to do it all over again, I would do it all over again. Because at the time, <laughs> she was on full attack at my lowest point after my husband left me. And she would just go on that to the point where I just couldn't oh, deal us. with it. So in therapy, um, there was, I, I had a wonderful lady and she said that until you resolve the issues with your mother, you will not blah, blah, blah. Okay. So finally, one day I said, how do you know when you've resolved the issues with your parent? <clears throat> and she said, what is it about your mother that you don't, what is it about her that you don't like. I said, well, she doesn't accept me for who and what I am. And she said, well, do you accept her for who and what she is? I said, no. She said, when you do, you is when you will resolve the issue with your mother. Well, this took another couple of years or so. <laughs> Surprising. I'm surprised by that. And I did. I finally reached the point of saying, you know what? This is who she is. What she says to me, I, and what she does, what, who she been, how she acts, all of these things. I've been to her movie before and there is nothing that she says or does that I can't account for as being her issue, her problem. And I then actually began to feel sad for her that she had lived a life of such anger and couldn't, couldn't, couldn't live life. And I thought my brother had escaped her narcissism, but he hadn't, mm -hmm. not really. He just manifested it in a different way. Um, so I did reach the point of resolving the issue and actually forgiving her. And so that when she became, this was after my brother's death, um, she started to lose her mind and <laughs> she became the sweetest I, 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 it was like the invasion of the body snatchers. I could not believe. I. It was remarkable how I can't she, believe that actually. That's oh, I I couldn't either. Because my mean, grandmother turned into a sourpuss when she was oh, losing her. Faculties. I would cheat you. Know, my mother was a mean son of a bitch. She was cruel. She was. She was a not nice person. I mean, she really wasn't. And 
she became this. Now, let me put it this way to the outside world. Like you said, when we first started, Maris, my friends used to say, oh, your mother is so sweet. And I think this woman that would tell me to go fuck myself faster than <laughs> where's the sweetness. But she had, you know, she would like any true narcissist. She could be so charming. Oh, my God. And, you know, I mean, she was just, you know, call I, you know, some people today that are in politics, I call con artists, but she was a con artist in in her charm. But anyway, um, I was able to do it before she died as she deteriorated and was dying, I could be kind and I could send her off to the other side with bullshit out of my mouth to make her go to the other side feeling good and in peace. And as I think I mentioned to you the other day, Jessica, in private, I am I'm no great saint. I did all of this for me because I wanted to be without any feelings, bad feelings, uh, any feelings that detracted from my goodbye to her was, was without guilt. I did what I needed to do. I did what made her happy. and. I'm at peace with it. So frankly, sometimes the only thing you can do is do things for yourself because it's never going to change who they are. I think that's the whole takeaway, honestly, Lois, is we, from the onset, and Maris, tell me if I get an A plus after this, from the onset, we are being raised by someone who is constantly nitpicking us and and that affects our cycle for need of approval. And then we seek need of approval from others. Our esteem is low. And until we go through therapy, find the friends who tell us, oh my God, your dad's a psychopath, you know, for, for my on my part at least, um, and learn to unlearn our responses and get our self-esteem. Finally, we realize it is how everyone around you changes like you become the orbit, the center of the orbit when you start enacting boundaries, when when you start uh, prioritizing your needs. And even if you walk away and you come back to talk to your mom and she's still a raging bitch, you walk away again and they have no outlet for that anger. So uh, it is hard to see it if you're a listener and you're or a viewer and you're just like, wait, no, but what matters is my, I, you know, if your self-esteem is still low, it's really hard to understand the benefits of growing that on the other side. But as you start taking steps to help yourself, you realize it changes you, it changes other people around you and you, you, you benefit greatly from it. I think I got an A minus for meandering a little bit. Maris, Maris. I, I give you an A plus. Okay, great. <laughs> I give you an A plus, certainly. Um, meandering is the what we all do, so it's natural. Um, I really think you said it well. It really is finding ourselves, believing in ourselves. We have to 
flip it and not ask for it. We need to believe in ourselves and feel that we can set boundaries. And in that way, we're not being the same manipulative people who always go along or pretend to be nice about something and then say, no, I'm never doing that. It's just to say up front, hey, listen, that's not comfortable for me. And the other thing too, I think that's important to remember if your parent is no longer with us or communicating with them and enacting these things aren't possible. You heal yourself through the empathy for them and empathizing with yourself when you're learning how to enact boundaries and you may not do it perfectly, forgiving yourself, noticing those parts. So there are ways, it's always a process. There's always, someone's going to come into my life in a, in a month, I know it, that's going to set, set something off and just re-trigger that. But then I'm going to take a breath and go, oh, I've, I've seen this movie before. I love that, Lois. I played yeah. this tape before. Dr. Maris, I want to thank you. Can I just you. say one thing? Yes, I didn't please. write this book. That's the good news. Okay. But it's called The Covert Passive Aggressive Narcissist. Mm. And it really shows you the games that are played and also there's a little bit of a workbook which helps you to recognize what's going on and how to get away from it. But it's in a book form. It's not in vivo like therapy, but it, it's a good book, I think. Sometimes being able to do that on your own is helpful too. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, yes. Jessica. I think it's time, Lois. We want to thank Dr. Maris Clement for joining us. Uh, we sure do. Thank you so much, oh, Maris. It's a joy. Come on. Thank you. And if you're watching us on YouTube, we'd love to hear what your journey with coming to the realization or coming onto the other side of what it was like to be a child of a narcissist. Uh, not an easy feat. We, all three of us can say so. You can get in contact with us by emailing us over at silverandsensational at gmail.com. You can also interact with us on our Facebook and Instagram page, easily findable by Silver and Sensational. And Lois, if they are watching us on YouTube right now, what should they do? Oh, well, you know the routine by now, but if you don't, be sure to check like and subscribe. And for those people, I hate to be repetitive, but honey, subscribing doesn't cost you anything and no one's going to bug you. It helps us. And then share it. Share it with your friends. You can share it via email, other YouTube accounts, or Messenger. So just get on there and do it. And please comment. But most of all, just continue watching in. We thank you for your support. And thank you again for being here, Maris. Lois, it was a pleasure. It's mine. Thank you, Maris. And thank you, Jessica. And thank all of you. Have a wonderful week. Bye-bye. <laughs>